Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, I love uh, Christmas. This is my favorite time of the year. Uh, cheese balls are one reason why. And, uh, uh, and the food and getting with family and so forth. And, but I'll be honest with you, this has been the most unusual Christmas season, isn't it? Maybe it's because of the politics and things that are being said and, the, and events that are happening around the world. And maybe it's, this is a warm time of the year. It just doesn't seem like Christmas, does it? But, you know, it's in the midst of these times that we live in that maybe we need to be reminded even more so about the Christmas story. And more than what we just take it for, because a lot of us, when we, we think about the Christmas story, we think of it just in terms of baby Jesus being born and the wise men coming and the little drummer boy, uh, which is not in Scripture, and all of this. But the reality is, is there's so much more to the Christmas story that has implications even for you and I today. Even for where we are today and what we're facing today, especially in our society and our, our world today. You're going to see that one of the things that I, 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 I believe this is happening right now is, is that when you look at what's going on, whether it's in the news or you're listening to the radio or you're listening to people in your family situations or at work or whatever, there seems to be just a mindless panic in the church today. And I mean mindless. It's like unthinking panic. That's why I wrote the word mindless. And, and I got two points I want to make here. And I'm going to say to you today how the Christmas story itself speaks to that. Because we do need to not be mindless in our reactions. So here, here's the first thing. People are extremely bothered by events today. We're extremely bothered. We're bothered by everything. And, and some of it has to do with the constant bombardment that we're getting from the media. Do you understand what I'm saying? Where we're getting all worked up. And I'm not just talking about secular media. I'm talking about the constant bombardment if you listen to Christian media that you're getting. And it gets you all worked up about stuff that's going on and about stuff that's happening. And so, like, we're all panicked and worried about mass shootings and, and all of these things. And, and we're reacting to that. You know, and I, I, I can remember, I was thinking this week, I remember very clearly growing up as a young guy, and we were growing up, my dad was stationed in Berlin, Germany, and at that time there was a terrorist group called the Bada-Meinhof Gang, and they were going around placing bombs in Berlin, around military installations at places like the NCO Club or the PX or something, places that my family would frequent because we're part of the military life there. If you've been in the military, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I remember we just went on with life. We still rode the buses. We still went on with life. And I don't remember the hysteria even back then 
that we have right now towards stuff. Do you know what I'm saying? And, 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 and people are extremely bothered. And I think part of the reason why we're bothered is, is because of the rapid change of our culture. And we don't know what to do with that. And that's okay to be bothered. I'm bothered. But here's the second point I want you to make. Now, this is something we need to consider. Christians have lost perspective as they openly react in ungodly ways. Now, it's one thing for the culture and society as a whole to respond the way that it's responding. But what bothers me more than anything as a pastor is to watch people who profess the name of Jesus reacting in ways that, to be honest with you, are very ungodly. Did did you understand what I'm saying? It's almost like we've forgotten the gospel. We've forgotten why we're here. We've forgotten who we're supposed to reach out to. And we've forgotten. And so we're acting in ways that are just flat out, to be very honest with you, cringeworthy. And, you know, and I listen to the news and I, and I read and, and I listen to Christian leaders saying things today that I just kind of like, what? Where did you get that from? You're not guided by the Bible in anything you're saying. And it's almost like it doesn't matter what the Bible says anymore. It matters simply just how we feel. So we're just going to say it. But the problem is, folks, that's not right. And if anybody should know how to respond, it should be who? People who profess the name of Jesus, right? So then I come to this passage, and this is the next passage in Matthew chapter 2, where we see Herod's interaction with the wise men about the birth of Jesus. And I thought, wow, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. But there's something that comes out of this passage that you and I need to grasp and see today. So I want you to look with me. In light of everything that's going on in our world today, there's something that just stands out to you and I. And here's what I'm I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. If you want to write this down, you can write this down. God is still in control. That's what we've lost perspective on. That God is still in control. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look with me. We're going to look at it together. Matthew chapter 2. Look with me at verse 17 through 18. And look what Luke records. Excuse me, verse 7 through 18. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house... They saw the young child with his, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And they had opened their treasures and presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring word to you, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all of its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these verses and divide them into two sections. We're going to, first of all, look at the hostility. Nothing's changed, folks. If you're sitting here shocked because people don't like your Jesus or care about the church today, you need to wake up to the reality. That's the way it's been for 2,000 years. And it's going to be that way. So we're going to look at the hostility here. And then we're going to look at, this is what I want you to take with you on the way out of here today. The divine sovereign direction. That God is still in control. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, the hostility. Look with me at verse 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem and and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Here's what I need you to understand about life. And if you haven't figured this out, you need to figure this out as far as the reality of, of in this world today. Is that when it comes to your Christianity, when it comes to God, when it comes to the issue of Jesus, there appears to be interest on some level. There appears to be interest on some level. Nobody's going, although it's happening more and more this, these days, mostly you're not going to hear people who are going to flat out reject you. They're going to be, they're going to kind of express some interest. As long as it goes, as long as it fits into their motif, they're going to express some interest. Herod is not going to, you have to understand, Herod was a pretty paranoid dude. While we don't have any historical record of the children being killed in Bethlehem, no scholar believes that it didn't take place simply because in his paranoia, Herod would kill anybody around him. In fact, he killed his own wife, he killed his several of his children, all because he thought they were going to try to take the throne from him. He was pretty brutal. And so here he is, he's, he's saying to these wise men, these dignitaries from the east, probably from Persia, oh, you know, if you find the child, let me know so that I can go and worship him. You and I, when we read that, we know very clearly that he has no desire to worship him. He's the king. There's no other king but him. He's not going to have a rival. And that's the thing you need to realize, folks, is that, yeah, there appears to be an interest. Yeah, there appears to be a culture that wants to talk a good God talk, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's okay. Because here's what I want you to see. Any threats to the status quo are eliminated. 
Any threats to the status quo are eliminated. As long as your Christianity, as long as your Jesus doesn't get in the way of what people want to do, everything's okay. But the moment that happens, as mo- the moment where Jesus or your Jesus or your Christianity gets in the way of what they want out of life and what they think should happen, then everything breaks loose. There's open hostility. And so here's what happens with, with Herod. Herod realizes that the wise men aren't coming back. They're not bringing him a message, so he gets really irritated. And so he knows, okay, this is when the child, the star was first seen. So probably now, here's what's going on. So this kid's probably two years old, so here's what he's doing. We're just going to send the soldiers in there and kill every male child from two years down and under. Not just in Bethlehem, just in case he moved in the surrounding districts. This is pretty brutal. Why? Because Herod doesn't want the status quo to change. Did you understand what I'm saying? He doesn't want the status quo to change. Ever have that, have experienced that with, that with people? You know, I can remember years ago when we pastored in Canada that we had a new neighbor move in next door to us. We were renting our house and the next door, some, and the young couple moved in and the guy was as friendly as could be. I mean, he was like, hey, he wanted to be good neighbors and everything. And we're like, wow, this is cool. Then we're sitting out in the driveway and he says, so what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. He never talked to me again. In fact, we were at the IGA there one time. Lori sent me to go get some milk. Okay, in Canada, milk's in a bag. I haven't figured that one out yet, but it's in a bag. You got to buy them in a bag. And, and I'm getting milk because we have little ones, and and uh, so I'm getting the milk, and I'm in the line, and my neighbor is right in front of me, and he even turns around to look, but he won't talk to me. Why? Obviously, he had some kind of experience with Christians before, or maybe even with a pastor. But it was hope and hostility. See, as long as it's going along with the status quo in people's lives, everything's fine. But when your Jesus comes in conflict, or when your Christianity comes in conflict, then that creates a problem. And let's be honest with you, folks. The more and more things are happening and are shifting in our culture, your Jesus and what you believe is going to come in conflict with a lot of different things. Have you noticed that? So that's the hostility. Now here's the problem. Here's the thing that you and I need to grasp, okay? I want you to listen to me. If that's all there was to the story, we need to be worried. If that's all there was to the story is, oh my goodness, this is terrible. Herod's terrible. He's going to kill these babies and kill these children. And, and if that's all there was to the story, we'd be like, wow, we need to be mindless and we need to panic and we need to react. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. That's not all there is to the story. See, when you look, can I be honest with you? When you look at what's going on in our culture, in our world today, and even the stuff that's happening and we're reacting to, you need to take a step back. Take a breath. Everybody right now, just t- breathe in. Breathe in. All right, just release it. 
Take a deep breath. Let it go. All right, let's take a deep breath on stuff because here's what you need to understand. God is still in control. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is still in control. And here's what I want you to see. It has to do with God's plan. It has to do with God's plan. And here's four things I want you to see about sovereign direction here. Let's go through this passage together. Look at verse 9. I think it's very interesting. When they heard the king had departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was, then they saw the star, and they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Here's what's going on. God is at work bringing about his plan. What do you mean by that? How would you get that from that, George? Well, it's interesting to me. These are astrologers. They see a star in the sky, and they want to go follow it. They, want, they, they figure it's the star for the Messiah, so they want to go find this Messiah. Now, they're leaving Jerusalem. Just so you understand, Bethlehem is about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. And there appears the star, and it leads them to where they need to go. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you right now, that ain't your normal star. All right, everybody understand that? When we look for the north star, the north star is not leading you to the right place physically. This star was leading them. Here's what I want you to understand. In the Bible, star, angel are the same thing sometimes. In the book of Revelation, it talks about... When Satan was cast out, he took a third of the stars with him. This was an angel. And God wanted the wise men to come to find the child. See, God was at work bringing about his plan. That's the first thing you need to understand. When you look at the craziness of what's going on, before you react, you need to recognize that God is bringing everything into his plan. What's his plan, folks? Jesus Christ coming back. Do you realize that? That's what the plan's about. That's what life is about. It's about Jesus Christ coming back to establish his kingdom. You need to understand that. And everything that's happening in the world is all part of, of the different pieces of that is all part of what's going on to bring that happen in the future. Grasp that perspective. Grasp that perspective. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Look with me at verse 12 and 13. Then being divinely warned in the dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they departed, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, stay there until I bring you word, for Herod seeks the young child to this. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the next thing. God will protect his plan. God will protect his plan. Let me just stop for a moment. We're dealing with the first coming here. We're dealing with the first coming of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be honest with you. What we're dealing with in the first coming is that ultimately Jesus would go to the cross, die on the cross for you and I, that we might have eternal life, that we might have the forgiveness of sins. Nothing was going to change that plan. No human being was going to change that plan. And God will do whatever it takes to make sure that his plan will happen. So let me stop. Let's bring it down to where we're at today. You're looking at the news and you're getting freaked out about what you see on the news. You're listening to this politician. You're listening to that politician. You're getting freaked out and you're getting all worked up. And I mean, we're getting worked up. 
all you got to just listen to Christian radio. We're getting worked up. You don't need to get worked up. Because God is the one who's in charge. And his plan includes everybody's mess-ups. You may want to write that one down. God's plan includes everyone's mess-ups. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you think you're going to change God's plan with your mess-up? And God will protect his plan. And he was protecting his plan. Look at that. He told the bridesmen, don't go back to Herod. You go another way. And they did. He, he speaks to Joseph again in a dream. Wow. Joseph, head to Egypt. Pick up, go now. Now just stop for a moment. Do you think how, think about how God's plan works. I gotta go on a trip. Do we have any money? Three dudes, just at least three dudes showed up and gave you what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Think you could pay for that trip? See, here's the reality. God will protect his plan. You and I need to grasp that reality. Here's the third thing now. Here's what I want you to see. Look with me now. Verse 14 to 15. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there until the death of Herod, that they might, might be fulfilled, which was spoken through the Lord, through the prophet, saying, out of Egypt I called my son. Here's what I want you to see. I've already mentioned to you briefly. God anticipates setbacks. Because somebody would say, well, wait a minute now. He's got to go to Egypt. Obviously, that wasn't part of the plan for him to be the Messiah. No, no. Think about this. This is from the prophet years before. Four, five, six hundred years before. He said, out of Egypt I will call my son. How's that possible? He anticipated the setback. Do you understand what I'm saying? He anticipated the setback. See, that's what you and I need to grasp when we're getting all worked up about stuff and we're getting all worked up about our culture and we're getting all worked up. You need to understand that God understands and recognizes and He, his plan even includes the setbacks. That's what you and I got to grasp. Here's the final thing. In fact, to understand the final thing, I want you to listen to Psalm 2. This is a psalm of David. In verses 1 to 6, he says this. This is the perspective of God to a Herod. This is the perspective of God to an Isis. This is the perspective of God to some wrong world leader. This is the perspective of God to a mass murderer. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the perspective of God. Listen to what Psalm 2 says. Why do the nations rage? And the people plot a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Now, who's the anointed? The Messiah. Saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. Shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and in distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. 
Wow, what a perspective, isn't it? God laughs. We're getting all panic about stuff, and God laughs. Why? Here's the point. No one is capable of hindering God's plan. No one. So you've got to own that, folks. That's coming right out of the Christmas story. No one, no ruler, no soldier, no person can hinder God's plan. Because Jesus is going to come back. And let me just make it a little bit more personal for you. Let me just bring it right back down to the earth for you. And you need to hear me. It's not just about God's plan for Jesus coming back. Nobody's going to hinder that plan. Here's the thing. Nobody's going to hinder his plan for you. You mean he's got a plan for me? Psalms, David says, Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord. And he delights in them. Ephesians, you were created, you were a masterpiece created for good works that he had predetermined beforehand. God's got a plan for you. Don't panic. Don't get all worked up. Don't be mindless. Get your focus where it needs to be. Where does it need to be, folks? On who? On Jesus. On God. Do you understand what I'm saying? No one is capable of hindering God's plan. So what do we do with this, George? Well, here's what I want you to see. Number one, I just need to ask you this question. And you know the answer to this. Maybe I even know the answer to this because you've bent my ear. Are you reacting to the current events of life? Are you reacting? You know whether or not you are. You know whether or not you're getting all worked up. Your blood pressure's rising. You're, you're responding in a way that maybe is not right and not biblical. You know whether or not that's happening. Here's the second thing. Have you forgotten the God who is in control? Ouch. I think if we're honest with ourselves, I would even say to that, yeah, I, I, I forget. I've forgotten. I've forgotten. Have you forgotten? Because that might explain why you're reacting. Do you know what I mean? That might explain why you're reacting. So what, what do we do with this, George? How do we, how do we bring the reality of the Christmas story to, to roost in our lives right now? Well, here's what I want you to do. Here's, here's the prayer that I want you to, to utter, and that's this. Ask the Spirit to help you to trust God in God's ultimate plan. Ask the Spirit to help you to trust in God's ultimate plan. Did you understand what I'm saying? You've got to be able to, no matter what's happening around the world, no matter what you're seeing in the news, no matter what's happening in your life, you've got to trust him that he's going to bring about his plan, not just for Jesus coming back, but he's going to bring about his plan for your life. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to look beyond the circumstances, look beyond the situation, and look with hope to who? Jesus. 
thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.